We've been continuing in our series on the miracles and parables of Christ. And this morning, we are kind of revisiting a parable that we've done before, but I think it's for good intentions that God would have us just see who Jesus is as our shepherd, that we need to see who Jesus is because we are needy sheep. We're needy sheep. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. We'll read verses 1 through 18 together. This is God's holy, inspired word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me, are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. This is God's holy word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so often aware of our own weakness. We are frail. We are feeble. We are unable. We are helpless. We are clueless. We're confused easily. We're easily led astray. We're easily prone to look to other sources for hope. God, we try to feed ourselves. We try to find water from our own cisterns. God, I pray that we would see you. Jesus, that we would see you as the good shepherd this morning. 
that we would turn from looking for any other source of provision and that we would, we would turn from depending upon ourselves, we would turn from any self-sufficiency, we would turn from any self-reliance, any dependence on any way to get to you other than through Jesus. And God, I pray that we would look and see you, Jesus, as our great shepherd. Will we depend upon you? Will we look to you? Will we have fresh hope and faith in you this morning, I pray? And God, would you strengthen me as I preach this morning? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And God, would you fill everyone here with your Spirit to be able to hear? It's only by your Spirit that we can hear from you. And God, we, we know that we need you this morning. And so we ask for you to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, imagine for a moment that you are a farmer or you're a sheep farmer and you have a small flock of sheep. And imagine that you care for these sheep and you provide for these sheep. You have uh, several paddocks or pastures that you rotate these sheep through so they can find fresh grass. You have a little stream that runs through your property and all around your property is woods, but you're able to care for the sheep. You've got fences up, and you move the sheep wherever they need to go. But imagine that one day, one of these sheep, that one of the particularly bright sheep, he comes up to you, and the sheep begins talking. You know, check your mind at the door just for a second, and imagine that sheep would actually be able to talk. And the sheep comes up to you, and he begins to talk to you. And he says, you know, I'm grateful for everything that you've done for us. I'm grateful for everything you you know, that you provided grass, I'm grateful you provided water, thanks for everything, but now, you know what, I'm pretty strong, I'm an adult now, I'm ready to go out on my own. And so you, op- you have the gate open, and the sheep says, and by the way, um, I'm all good, I'm, I'm all good, I'm totally fine on my own. So the sheep takes off running, and he jets into the woods. You know, what would you do if you were that sheep farmer? How would you respond to that sheep you know, the sheep says, I know what grass to eat. I know where to find water. I know how to be on my own. You know, you want to warn the sheep. You know, it's not safe to go out on your own. It's not safe. If you go into the woods, you're not going to find pasture. You're not going to find water. But he won't listen. He runs off anyway. What would you do? You might be inclined to think, what an ungrateful sheep. Good riddance. Let that sheep go. You know, let that sheep go into the woods. He'll, he'll find out how well he can do on his own, right? You might let the sheep go off and say, well, fine. That sheep can encounter the coyotes that are out there that he just doesn't know about, the wolves, maybe the bears that are out there. And maybe you're that kind of shepherd and you think, fine, let him go. Ingrateful sheep. What an ingrate. You know, you think, well, maybe it's just too much effort and it's just one sheep after all. But a good shepherd wouldn't do that. A good shepherd would go after that one sheep. A good shepherd would want to rescue the sheep because the sheep would be important to the shepherd. And a good shepherd would go shut the gate. He would leave the fold. He would go and find the sheep and he would bring them back. He might even risk his life here facing wild animals and do everything possible to rescue that sheep. Maybe if the sheep got stuck in between some rocks or if the sheep fell into a pit he would go and get them out. And most people here can understand that a good shepherd might do that. But why would a shepherd do that? Why would a shepherd want to go after a sheep? Why would a shepherd go after a sheep that had run away from him? Why would a shepherd go after a sheep that was ungrateful? Why would a shepherd go after a sheep that had run away on his own, thinking he knew what was best? Doesn't he deserve to be taught a lesson? 
Well, it's because a good shepherd knows that his sheep are ultimately and finally dependent on him. If you, if you really were a shepherd, you would know that sheep are completely helpless without the shepherd. The good shepherd knows that even if the sheep doesn't want the shepherd, the sheep needs the shepherd. The book of Isaiah tells us that, that we are actually all like that sheep. It says in, in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 53, 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have gone our own way. We've all turned everyone to his own way. All of us are like that talking sheep. We kind of come up to Jesus at times and we say, you know, Jesus, thank you for salvation. Thanks for rescuing me. Thanks for caring for me. Thanks for providing for me. But I got this now. I'm good. You know, I'm mature. I've eaten a lot. I'm full. I'm kind of healthy. I'm in a good place. And so I'm going to kind of set off on my own. And, and that's that's what we tend to do as sheep. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All of us tend to do that. There's not one of us who doesn't go astray like the silly, talking sheep who thinks he knows better than the shepherd. And it's frightening because the sheep's completely defensive. And if you've ever been around sheep or you've seen them or you've gone to a petting farm and you've, you've pet their stinky, fluffy coats... But a sheep is basically just meat on hooves, a fluffy meatball, really. That's all they are. They're, they're fluffy, they're big, and, and they have these little teeny hooves, and, and it's really remarkable that, that they can get anything done. They kind of waddle. If you've ever seen a sheep run, they kind of they wobble when they run. They're, they're not very coordinated. They're not designed for speed. They're not fast enough to outrun a predator. So imagine... If a shepherd who really knows something about sheep sees that sheep go off into the woods, they're thinking, that sheep is totally unprepared. They think they're prepared. They think that wool coat is going to protect them, but one bite from a wolf is going to kill them. Domesticated sheep is what Jesus is referring to in his parable here, and they have absolutely no way to defend themselves. They have no horns, no sharp teeth. Have you ever seen a sheep that just had these little teeny little bottom teeth for grinding They've got no way to, to do any real damage to a predator. They're a target. If anybody ever grew up seeing Mutual of Omaha, you know that the one animal that goes off from the pack, you're like, oh no, here's, it's coming. That, that one's going to get it. They've gone astray. They're a target, and there's nothing more tragic than sheep without a shepherd. You see, sheep are completely dependent creatures, and I think that's why so often Scripture refers to God's people as sheep. We're completely dependent creatures, but sometimes we forget that we're sheep. Sometimes we, we feel like we're lions, and we're mighty, and we're strong, and we're huge. But Jesus says, no, we're, you're sheep, you're completely dependent. You know, you might think you're pretty smart, and, and actually sheep have gotten somewhat of a bad rep. They, they are pretty intelligent animals in comparison to other animals. But they're not anywhere near the intelligence level of the shepherd. You see, sheep are completely limited in their ability to understand. They're completely dependent on their shepherd. And, and the reason that Jesus gave us this metaphor and why he talks about himself as the shepherd so often is he wants us to see that we're completely dependent creatures. 
But more than that, I believe the most important idea that, that Jesus would have us see is to grasp or really to respond to on our own. It's, it's, it's the main idea really of the text, and it's that the good shepherd is everything sheep need. You see, so often we can, we can get focused when Jesus tells this parable about sheep, and we can say, okay, good, well, he, he calls us sheep, and we can get stuck there, but he wants us to see that we're sheep. He wants to see us we're completely dependent, but our complete dependence and our sight of our need for Christ is only meant for us to look and see that we do have a shepherd, and that the shepherd is everything that sheep need. The shepherd is everything that sheep need. Sheep are, are helpless. They get turned around. They can't find food or water on their own. There's this story that I was reading as I was preparing for it about um, a guy named Leon Morris. He had a, a pastorate in Australia, and there was this large sheep paddock, and they would put all these sheep in this large sheep paddock, and at one end of the sheep paddock would be the water troughs. And yet the sheep would wander away from the water troughs, and they would get out of sight of them, and they wouldn't be able to find their way back. And so every day, the shepherds would go in, and they would call the sheep, and they would round them up, and they would lead them to the water troughs. And, and, and it took many days until they finally learned the path just to drink water. And the sheep would tend to go the same way. They would tend to, to trod the paths that they knew. But the first five verses give us hope that even though we get turned around, we can't find food or water, we can't find our way home again, the good shepherd calls and leads his sheep. Maybe today you feel like you are out there. You feel like you're out there on your own. You feel like you're lost. Maybe you feel hungry. You're desperate. You feel like you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. You don't know what to do. Right now it's a pretty confusing time, at least in our country. And you can, you can be tempted to look to other sources to follow and say, well, maybe I should go this way. Maybe I should go that way. And Maybe you've gotten distracted and you've gone off on your own. The good news is the good shepherd calls and leads his sheep. The good shepherd calls and leads his sheep. I was watching a few videos on the internet of, of farmers and they were calling their sheep. And, and one of the remarkable things is that they could stand about a half a mile away so the sheep could barely hear the farmer. But when the farmer ye yelled their unique call, the sheep just came running as awkwardly as they could. They kind of wobbled across the field and, and it took a while coming, but the sheep came to the shepherd. And then the other notable thing was that several other people other than the farmer, they tried to call the sheep. They even put on the farmer's clothes. They've had many experiments like that. And they tried to use the same language, the same words that the farmer used. And the sheep just didn't come. Because they had ingrained in them that they only heard the voice of their shepherd. If, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've responded to God's call, here's the good news. You're a sheep. You're a sheep, and you're not just any sheep, you're God's sheep. And because if you're God's sheep, you will hear his voice. You've heard his voice, and if you've heard his voice, this means you're going to hear his voice. If you have heard his voice, that means you're going to hear his voice, and he will lead you. The sheep and the shepherd, they have a special relationship. The shepherd gives them food and provides for them. They know the shepherd is, is able to care for them, and they can recognize the voice amongst 
other voices. If you are a believer, you don't need to fear, will I be able to hear from God? No, you will hear from God because if you are his sheep, he speaks to you, he calls you, and you will know his voice. And we hear his voice through his word. We hear his voice in prayer. We hear his voice through sermons like this. God speaks to each and everyone here. And, and as he speaks, you hear his voice and he leads you. You don't have to wonder, will I really hear his voice? Will I really know? Jesus makes sure that we know this is true because he opens it up and he says, truly, truly. Actually, the little word there is amen, amen. Verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen. It is definitely, definitely true that my sheep know my voice and I lead them in and I lead them out. What's he, what he's saying here cannot be questioned or taken another way. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be in a fear. Maybe you're, you feel far away from God. Will I be able to hear him? Yes. What he's about to say can't be questioned or taken any other way. The sheep know the voice of the master. And, and only, only the shepherd is able to call the sheep. You see, uh, the gatekeeper only opens the door up to the shepherd, he says. Near the door is the only way of, legitimate way of getting into a sheepfold. In ancient Israel, they used to use these big sheep pens. They were made of stone walls and they encircled many flocks of sheep would be driven into them and, and there'd be one narrow door, one way in and out of the sheepfold so that the shepherd could, could be there to care for the sheep. The shepherd could be there the gatekeeper could be there to protect the sheep and come in and out, and then the shepherd would come up, and access was only given to the rightful owner of the sheep. If you've responded to Jesus, you can be sure that God has given you to him, that you are his, that he owns you, that no one else can come and get you. No one else can take you out of the sheepfold. No one else can call you away God's given access to Jesus alone. He says he is the door. And, and, and sheep only follow the shepherd of the master's voice. And in, in ancient Israel, the shepherd would go outside of the sheepfold and there'd be many flocks in there and he would call to his own sheep and then his own sheep would hear him and come out of the sheepfold. And then he would lead them in and he would lead them out. He would lead them in to safety and he would lead them out. And Jesus leads his sheep out because they're his and because he's called them out. And because he leads them, they know his name and he knows their name. And they know his voice. But there's an interesting picture there. The, the master, the shepherd, he, he doesn't call the sheep anywhere that he, he isn't leading us. In, in, in ancient Israel, it wasn't like in Australia or other places where they have massive amounts of sheep. They have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep, and, and they'll drive them with dogs or horses, and they'll, they'll drive them away. And in ancient Israel, there were smaller flocks, 20 to 30 or maybe 100, and the shepherd would lead them by walking in front of them, and the sheep would follow after the shepherd, and the shepherd would take every step ahead of the sheep. He would lead them on the way, and he would lead them to the water. He would lead them to the pasture. He would lead them through the valley. He would lead them through rough times. He would, he would lead them through a path through the rough terrain. And that's a picture of Jesus. He has gone on before us. Jesus has made a way before us so that we follow after him. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It means to be a sheep, a dependent follower of Jesus. 
And he leads us out. He goes the way before us. And look at verse 14 and 15, if you will. We're going to skip down. We're going to come back to some other verses. But look down at verse 14 and 15 in your Bible for just a moment. If you have a Bible with you, verses 14 and 15. If you don't have a Bible, share it with somebody beside you. There's something really astounding in verses 14 and 15. There's something astounding there about how he leads and calls us. He says, I am the good shepherd. Here's the astounding thing. He says, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The sheep belong to the shepherd, and he says, I know my own. I know my own. But not only that, we have something else here. It's that not just he knows you, he knows you intimately. He knows you incredibly personally. Think about for the moment, just when Jesus says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. How does, how does Jesus know the Father? How does, how does the Father know Jesus? Well, the Trinity has existed for all eternity, before anything else existed in all of creation, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were in perfect communion, perfect union, perfect knowledge of one another, sharing everything, sharing all knowledge, relating to each other, being complete, lacking nothing. That's the relationship that God has with the Son. The Son lacks no knowledge of the Father. The Father lacks no knowledge of the Son. They know everything about each other. They share everything with each other. They, they love each other completely. There's complete perfection in their knowledge of each other. And then here's the crazy thing. Jesus said, look down in your Bibles again. He says, I know my own and my own know me just as, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Maybe you're tempted to think like, I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like nobody understands me. You ever, you ever tempted to feel that way? I feel like nobody understands me. Nobody quite gets me. Nobody understands my unique circumstances. I feel like I'm just too weird or I'm too this or I'm too that or people can't relate to me. Nobody really understands me. We have this innate craving in us as humans to be understood, don't we? That, that craving to be understood actually can become an idol for us. But we want to be understood. We want to be known. And you know, that's the deepest desire of a lot of our hearts. And so, you know, often people will get married because they just want to be known by somebody. They want to have a deep relationship, deep fellowship. They want to, they want to share something at the most deep, intimate level. And that's good because that reflects how Jesus is united to us in marriage. He, he, he unites closely to us. He becomes one with us. And he begins, he, he, he comes to know us. He knows us even as the Father knows him and he knows the Father. And, and what does that imply as well? He, he's known us since all eternity. There's nothing surprising about you that, that turns Jesus off about you. Do you know that Jesus knew about all your weaknesses, all your sheeply qualities before he called you? Do you know that? He knew that you were defenseless. He knew you were helpless. He knew that you were stinky. Because, man, sheep stink. They do. That you were greasy, oily, whatever you want to talk. You're dirty. You can't clean yourself. 
He knew those things. He knew you were prone to fall down the mud. He knew you were prone to, to go away. Jesus knows you intimately, and just like he's known the Father for all of eternity, he has known you for all of eternity. Since before the beginnings of creation, he says he called you. He knew you. He purposed you. That's good news. Why? Because when I sin, when I doubt, when I feel like I don't deserve the favor and grace of God, and and let's face it, there are so many times in my life daily when I don't feel like I deserve the grace and mercy of God. You ever feel that way? You ever ever screw up? You You ever mess up? You ever do something stupid? You ever fail? And you feel like, how in the world could Jesus love me? How in the world could he ever want me back? I'm so dirty, I'm so nasty, I'm so filthy, I'm, I'm, I'm prone to wander. I wander all the time, I know better, and I still wander. You ever, you ever feel that way? Christian, I, I feel that way all the time. Here's the good thing, just as Jesus knows the Father from all eternity and is, loves him. He knows you. And so what that means is that he knew about every stinking thing you would do. He knew about all your failures. He knew about all of your weaknesses. He knew about all your failings. He knows about your wandering tendency. And, and yet he's purchased you. He's, he's called you as his own. And he knows you. An encouraging thing is not just that. He, he knows exactly what you need. He doesn't just know about you distantly because sometimes we can know about Jesus but not know him personally and so we can read into maybe, maybe Jesus is like us because we can sometimes know about Jesus but not actually have an intimate relationship with him and so we get the mistaken notion that, that he's like us. When we feel like we don't really commune with him. We can feel like he's not communing with us. He doesn't know us. He doesn't know what we need. And, and, and this passage should dispel any doubts for the believer that he knows us just as he knows the Father in every way. Now, that doesn't mean that we know Jesus perfectly like that. But he says he knows his own and his sheep know him now, we, we grow in our knowledge of him. He doesn't have to grow in his knowledge of us. His knowledge is perfect and complete. And so, maybe you're thinking that, does, does Jesus really see me? Does he really see where I'm at? Does he really know what I need? Does he, does he know my problems? Does he know my difficulties? Does he know my trials that I'm going through? And the answer here is, yes, he knows everything about you, and he knows just what you need. He understands you. Not only that, he's called you, and you responded to him because you belong to him. And sheep, don't follow the voice of strangers. You don't have to worry. He will not let you go. Sheep naturally run away from those who aren't their shepherds, but they're naturally inclined to follow the shepherd's voice. What's our responsibility as sheep? It's just to listen and respond when he calls. And there's always a reward for the sheep when he calls them. What we see in verses 6 through 10 is that the shepherd calls the sheep for a good reason, just like we call natural sheep for a good reason. We call natural sheep because we provide for them. And so what does God do? What does Jesus do? The good shepherd provides for the sheep. 
The good shepherd provides for the sheep. And, and that's important to see. And we can see that in verses 6 through 10. The good shepherd provides for the sheep. He's the door. He leads them into safety. He leads them into a place of safety. When you are going through hard times and difficult times and you're thinking, maybe, maybe I will be overwhelmed. I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. You don't have anything to fear because he is able to keep your soul. You You can run to him for safety. There's so many pictures in scripture about how we take shelter under his wings, about how he he picks us up and how he carries us as a a little lamb. He he picks us up and he carries us. He, He keeps us safe. Maybe you're worrying about what you're going to do when the election doesn't go your way, whatever way that is, by the way. I don't think anybody's going to please with whatever the outcome is. There's, there's no good outcome here. The good news is, is that God is the shepherd. No presidential candidate is our shepherd. Remember that. No presidential candidates are shepherd. But God's our shepherd. He provides safety. So many times we can get prone to think, well, may, I'm worried about what about my kids and my grandkids? What kind of world are they going to inherit? Well, the same kind of world probably that Jesus came into when he came into Rome, into a Roman Empire, in Israel, and, and, and they were experiencing persecution, and everybody was against them. And, and maybe it's the kind of world when Jesus said in Matthew 24 that, that all the world, all the nations will be against you. Okay? That's the promise we have as Christians. All the nations will be against you. Even our own nation. All the nations will be against us. That's our promise. But here's the greater promise. He's the good shepherd. He is the one who protects us. He's the one who keeps us. He's the one we can rely on. He's the one who says leads us in and out. He leads us into safety, and then he leads us out to pasture. He leads us out to food and water. He, he provides for us. Do you, you ever feel weak? You ever feel weary? You ever feel hungry? And you're, you're like, God, I just, I just feel so hungry for you and I don't feel like I can get food. You ever tired and you just want to break? You ever feel defenseless and vulnerable? You, you, ever, you ever feel thirsty? Maybe you're in a thirsty place right now. You feel like I'm, you're in the middle of a desert and you feel like I, I'm just parched. I just, I just need something to drink. I'm just dry. You ever, you ever feel like you're in the middle of wandering right now? You ever feel like you're prone to wander? So this passage applies to you. He's everything we need and he calls us and he leads us and he provides for us. But the problem is we can eat other food that never satisfies. We can look to be satisfied with the things of the world. We can look to be satisfied with material gain. We can look to be satisfied with our own reputation, what people think about us. We can look to be satisfied with finding fulfillment in our jobs or in our occupation, whatever that is. And we can look to be satisfied in how well our kids are doing or not doing. We look to be satisfied in our relationships and we're never meant to be filled with those things. We're meant to be filled with his nourishment, with his bread of life. If, if you feel like you're in need, there's, there's good hope. We have a good shepherd who provides for his sheep. If we were just to focus on sheep and their nature, if this passage just said you are sheep and that's where it ended, there would be, it would be a bleak, 
bleak passage. But this passage is really not focused on the sheep here. It's, it's focused on Jesus, who's both our door to salvation, and then he's our safety, and then he's our nourishment, and he's the one who keeps us and leads us and guides us. And then he gave us another word picture to describe himself, and he says he's the only way. Not, not, just, not just he's the door, and he, he goes in through the door, but he's, he's the only way. He's the only way. There's no other way that will satisfy There's no other way you can turn to. There's no self-atonement, no self-achievement, no self-fulfillment. You can't imagine yourself onto a higher plane. You can't rid yourself of all earthly desires and somehow that, then you'll find peace. No, Jesus is the way to be kept safe. He is our salvation. And we find safety from the wolves at night. In verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have what? Life. And have it abundantly. Do you ever look to life? Look for life to, for, in, in any other place other than Jesus? I do. I look for life in all kinds of places. I look for life in entertainment or distraction. I look to life in, 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 in my family or other places. and All those things are false shepherds. You know, if you have a wall and you built this big wall um, made of sheepfold and you have this narrow gate, then imagine when nightfall comes and then you see somebody climbing over the wall. It's going to be pretty obvious that any other way to get in other than the door, um, that person is a thief or they're a robber, that they're not true. And yet we fail to recognize it so often in our own lives that, that other ways to God, other ways to try to achieve some kind of peace or fulfillment or happiness or joy apart from trusting and resting in, in the good shepherd are, will just rob us of life. They will steal from us. And then he refers as well, at least indirectly, to those who have gone before him and they are thieves. They're currently thieves. And so I, I believe he's talking there about the religious leaders of his day because they tried to convince people that they could keep their salvation or earn their salvation. What is that? That's, that's a, a, a robber's way of trying to get in to salvation. And he's saying, no, those, those ways will only kill and steal from you. They'll only destroy you. There's only one way to be saved and there's only one way to find nourishment and be satisfied. There's only one way to be truly safe and that's through Jesus you know, false shepherds may promise salvation or life, but there's no other way except for Jesus. All of us have gone our own way, and everybody who follows after someone or something other than Jesus is going astray. What are you looking to for hope? You know, it can be subtle. Sometimes we can look to our health for hope. Sometimes we can look for jobs for hope. Sometimes we can look to other people for hope or education or career or whatever. We can look to all kinds of silly things for hope. We can hope in paying our mortgage off. We can hope in finding a good place to live. We can hope in all kinds of things. We can hope in leaders. You know, um, personally, my family, my grandmother and her mother, they at one time actually hoped in someone who really they thought was going to be their savior, who was going to rescue them. Back before World War II, um, they were living in Germany because they're Germans and, and they were hoping and this guy who promised to deliver Germany, to, to make Germany great again 
because Germany was destitute. They were impoverished. They had nothing. They had, they had gone from being a world power to being the bottom of the barrel. And this, this Savior, he promised that he would make them a great nation, a great people, and, and, and that, that they would be the best in the world. And my, my great-grandmother, she initially fell prey to that idea. But then they realized that, no, this man, Adolf Hitler, was a tyrant. He was no savior. He couldn't rescue. There's, there's no utopia to be found here on earth through any kind of leader. In the end, they fled Germany and came to the United States prior to the war. And in the end, he stole many of the, the children for the army and killed them and destroyed things. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other savior than Jesus, the good shepherd. Jesus came so that we might have life through him. And there's no other way that we might find safety or security or hope or life. But he doesn't just promise us a boring life. You know, I I used to think when I was a kid that being a Christian was really boring. And so I was tempted because I thought that going and and drinking or the other things of this world, those, those pleasures, those temporary pleasures, that's where I would find real enjoyment. I thought I deserve that after all because I've never really sinned on the outside, at least so I thought because I was raised in a Christian home, and so I thought I've never really done those things, and so I'm going to go and enjoy things. And what I found was the things I turned to that I, that I thought would bring enjoyment, that I thought would bring me life and joy and happiness, they all were just empty. They were completely empty. And, and, they, and they blew away like when a dandelion dries up and you blow on it and they just they scatter to the wind. All the pleasures, they just... They scattered and things became empty. You see, Jesus is the only one who can give abundant life. It doesn't mean that that mistaken notion of that Jesus came to make you healthy and Jesus came to make you wealthy. Don't Don't be distracted by that other way. If I just have enough faith, I can be rich enough and I can be healthy enough and I can be wise enough. If I only have enough faith, and Jesus says, no, have faith in me and I'm sufficient, I'm gonna give you abundant life. But what's that abundant life that he promises? He promises true peace. True peace, peace that you cannot know any other way. He promises true joy, joy that can't be found in in this life's pursuits. Joy that can be found in relationship with him alone. He, he promises true contentment. Contentment that in the midst of all things, and the all things that Paul is talking about, when says, you know, in the midst of being poor and shipwrecked, in the midst of being in danger and weak, in the midst of all of those things, I, Paul found contentment in Christ because Christ was his good shepherd, and he wants us to find contentment in him, the good shepherd. He came that we might have life to the fullest, the best of life. The best that life has to offer is is found in Christ, which is not only everlasting in eternity, and he gives us life and eternity that is beyond our wildest imaginations in comparison, but he actually gives us life abundantly now and here if we look to him for food, if we look to him for drink, if we look to him to lead us out, if we look to him for safety, if we rest in the shepherd no matter what storms rage around us. 
And why does he give us life abundantly? We see really the third major idea that that John's trying to get across to us is that the good shepherd loves the sheep. He He's everything the sheep need. He calls and leads the sheep. He provides for his sheep. But why does he do that? Because he loves the sheep. He's not just a hired hand. He says a hired hand, when a wolf comes, he'll take off running. You know, if, if, if you were an employee of a, a sheep farmer, or say that I had a sheep farm and I said, okay, you know, I'm gonna have you work for me and I'm gonna pay you 10 bucks an hour. That's not a lot of money. If you work 2,000 hours a year, that's $20,000. That's, that's, that's below the poverty level. So not a great job, but hey, you have a job. And so I say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you 10 bucks an hour. And, and then you're sitting there watching the sheep. And then imagine that some wolves come at you because you're at the gate. You're at the door of the sheep pen. And the wolves are coming at you trying to get you so they can get into the sheep. What are you going to do? 10 bucks an hour? I, I might stick my stick out, but just so I could run away and let him at the sheep. You know, a lot of us heard stories about David in the Bible. He was one of the best shepherds, one of the best examples you can see in the Bible. When he was a young shepherd, he was watching his father's sheep. They were his father's flock, the flock that was their livelihood. They relied on it. And... David, he tells a story about how when he was a young shepherd, he, he defended the flock from a lion. Now, we don't know exactly how he did it. Maybe he did it with his, his staff. Maybe he did it with his sling. He was obviously quite a marksman with his sling. And then he tells a story how he not only defended them from a lion, but he defended them from a bear. But I, I know that David wasn't thinking he was going to die because a shepherd that dies is no good shepherd at all. The shepherd that dies leaves the sheep vulnerable. A shepherd that that's not there to protect the sheep is a terrible shepherd. And then no shepherd would, would willingly lay his life down for a sheep. I mean, you've seen sheep, right? You've smelled them. You've heard them. You think, yeah, they're not the highest on the, on the scale of worth in the animal kingdom. You know, some people here might give their life for their dog or their cat. I question that, but I can understand the, at least the impulse at least for the dog, I can understand the impulse. Sorry, cat lovers, I respect you. I don't understand you, but Jesus does. In the Near East, it wasn't uncommon for a shepherd to be willing to die for his sheep because they were the source of his family's livelihood. But, but it would be extremely uncommon that it would actually happen and they wouldn't intend to die. A dead shepherd can't save sheep. And if threats don't come, a dead shepherd can't feed and care for his sheep. He can't keep them safe. He can't lead them to water. Here's something really astounding in these verses. Not only is Jesus telling us that he's everything that we need, not only is he telling us that he owns us, we're secure in him, he calls us, and if we heard his voice, we're his. If you've responded to him, you can be sure he owns you and no one else is going to take you because who's greater than the shepherd? You know, Jesus says that later on in John. He says that, that he and the Father are one. No one snatches, snatches the sheep from his, the Father's hand, and he and the Father are one. What does that mean? If, if God owns you, if Jesus owns you, no one's going to take you from this all-powerful shepherd, and that's good news, right? He's everything you need. 
He leads you. He owns you. He's going to protect you. He provides for you. He cares for you. But here's, here's really why that means something is because he's demonstrated that. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Look down your Bibles just for a minute, please, and just look in those verses. From verses 11 to 18, I want you to count for a second. How many times does it say he lays down his life for the sheep? Whenever the Bible repeats something, it's for a reason. Whenever Jesus repeats something more than once, it's important. When he repeats it more than twice, it's really important. When he repeats something four times, you know you better pay attention. In fact, he repeats this idea more than he repeats any other idea in one teaching. And what he says is, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. Look in verse 11. I know my own, my own know me. Oh, sorry, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Then in verse 14, I know my own and I know, my own know me. And then verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Over four times. In verse 17, again. For this reason the Father loves me. Why? Because I lay down my life. And then in verse 18, no one takes it from me but what? I lay down my life. I lay it down of my own accord. And then again in verse 18, the fifth time, I have authority to lay it down. Do you wonder if Jesus loves you? Do you wonder if he really loves you personally? This, this verse should dispel all doubts. I've never seen any farmer give his life for any animal. And I might, I might doubt the wisdom of a farmer doing that. Although I would uh, think that they were noble in their intentions they lost sight of the, their life was more important than, than their animals' lives. Here's what Jesus is saying. is saying, I'm laying down my life. He considered you so valuable. He chose you. He called you as his own. That he's willing to lay down his life for you. Not because you intrinsically have some worth, but because he made you his own. And so because you're his own, now you have worth. Because you're his. And he says, I lay down my life. Think of yourself as a sheep. I mean, an actual sheep with all the wool and lanolin all over your wool and dirt. And think of yourself as a sheep. And, and then think of just the astounding truth of a shepherd dying for you willingly, laying down his life. Laying down his life willingly for you. That's what Jesus is doing for us. It's what Jesus said he did for us. He's no ordinary shepherd. He's noble and good above all others. And actually the word here for good, it it doesn't, in the English language, doesn't really capture the the connotations there. It's it's, he's noble. He's a surpassing worth. He's beautiful. Why is he beautiful? Because his character is revealed. He gives everything. He is selfless for the sheep. He's all giving. He is completely self sacrificial for the sheep. He is noble. He is the all good shepherd. How could anyone love you more than the good shepherd? Are you longing to be loved? If you are his sheep, if you've responded to his voice, if you want to respond to his voice, 
He owns you and he's laid down his life for you. Ephesians 5.25 tells us, Paul wrote, he says, that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you get just how significant that is? You see this, this person-sheep illustration or an analogy, it's a good analogy, but it, it really pales in comparison because a shepherd is, is, can only really give up an earthly life and this limited and Jesus is of far greater value. He is the, the son of God himself who is of infinite worth, infinite value, and yet he subjected himself to become a man and give up to set aside his, his own worth, his own value to, to take on the punishment that you deserved, to lay his, down his life for you. And then you think, well, that's, that would be no good, though, if he just died. And you're right. You know, a dead shepherd's no good to the sheep. That's why it says that if, if the resurrection hasn't occurred, then we are, most of all, of all people, to be pitied. But you notice in these verses, Jesus said the whole reason he came to lay his life down was so that he might take it up again. And then we find hope. He's not just the good shepherd who lays down his life. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life so that he can take it up again. He, he laid down his life in order to raise himself up so that we might have life in him. And then he gives us his, his own blood, if you will, his lifeblood for us to partake of, that we might have the life of the shepherd and he transforms us from being just lowly sheep to now he transforms us to being made in his image. He laid down his life that I might take it up again. And he says, I have all authority to do this. What he meant was he was following God's, God's plan. This is all a part of God's plan. It wasn't accidental. The point wasn't just to die. It was to be resurrected and he has all authority to do that. And you can see that picture later on in the garden when he was being betrayed in John 18. They come to him with torches and swords and spears. And they come up to him and they say, um, we're looking for, he says, who are you looking for? He says, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And they all fall down backwards. They faint. They fall down backwards. And then they get up again. And, and he, he says, they say, who are you looking for? And he says, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. And they all fall down again. What was he showing? I have authority I, I, nobody's going to take my life from me. I willingly give my life. And then he was standing before Pilate in John nineteen eleven, and he says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Why did he lay his life down for us? He laid his life down for us so that he could rescue us. He could rescue us from our failures that he knew about before we were born. He could rescue us from ourselves. He could he could keep us safe. He could keep us from the wrath of God through his own sacrifice. He laid down his life so that he might provide for us through his own life. He might give us of his own body and, and his body might be broken as bread for us. He might give to us from his own blood that it, it, it might be like a cup of the new covenant that we drink. He didn't just give his life to save the sheep from wolves of sin and punishment. He raised us again to life. The shepherd died for the sheep and raised himself up again. So maybe you 
were aware when you came in here this morning that you are a needy, dependent sheep. Let me encourage you, revel, revel in that. Because you have a shepherd who is all sufficient. You have a shepherd who is everything that you need. You have a shepherd who calls you, who owns you, who no one can snatch you from his hand, who leads you. You will hear his voice. You don't have to worry. He provides for you. He keeps you safe. And he has demonstrated his love for you to the uttermost. You know, so often our eyes are on ourselves, our own circumstances, our enemies, storms of life. We can't hear, we can't see the shepherd who cares for us. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. No one else is the good shepherd. We need the good shepherd to feed us, and he does feed us. We need the noble shepherd to care for us, and he does. We need the best shepherd to lead us and shelter us, and he does that. We need the strong shepherd to set us back on our feet again. You know that sheep can, can get something that's called cast down. They can fall over, they can lay down, and they can kind of create a divot, and they roll over, and they get stuck. And they can, if they're stuck there for long enough, they die like that. It's pretty pathetic. After a day or two, the sheep on his back will die. It's cast down, kind of like when David would speak to his own soul and say, why are you cast down, O my soul? Christian, why are you cast down? You have a great shepherd. The beautiful shepherd, the most excellent shepherd, the noble shepherd. Yes, all we like his sheep have gone astray. We've followed our own way. But he doesn't leave us there. In Isaiah 53, 6. If you look in your Bibles or write it down, you can listen to it. It doesn't end after that. It says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He became the perfect lamb of God to take our place. The shepherd became a lamb. The shepherd laid down his life for us so that we would be sin free. That's how God looks at you this morning. He, he looks at you as if you have never sinned. He looks at you as if you have the perfect righteousness of Christ and he gives you help as if you've earned the perfect righteousness of Christ. He's inconceivably above our expectations. He's beautiful because he knows us. He provides for us. He protects us. He loves us. He wants to give himself to us. We find life through him and through him alone. I want to take heart by reading a passage, two passages actually for you, one from John 10, 27. You can, you can flip down to verse 27 if you have your Bibles open still. John 10, go to verse 27. This is really the culmination of this passage. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You have a great shepherd. We'll close with Hebrews 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray, and as I pray, go ahead and have the band come up. Joe, if you will lead us in an appropriate song to respond to our great shepherd.